Hello, and welcome to the first official Agency Dallas podcast, and I would say highly anticipated agency podcast. The anticipation is probably mostly for me, <laughs> but we are excited to bring the podcast. We've been wanting to do this for a while, and we finally have the chance to get everything going. I'm going to have some great guests today that we're going to discuss all kinds of topics related to real estate and also current market conditions. I'm bringing in my guests next, and we'll start the official podcast for the Agency Dallas. We're back with our guests, and I'm going to introduce who's here with us today. I'm going to start with you, Johnny Murray. Johnny is our agent director here at the agency. He's a good friend. I've known him for a long time. He's been in the business for 24, 40 years. 1999. Yeah, there you go. He's about like me, a couple, <laughs> couple years uh, before me. But John um, is a live, work, and play in the same area. State Thomas... <laughs> Uptown, Dallas area, right? Pretty much. Yeah. So John also sells with us, and he is one of the agents that um, we love, and the office loves him, so I'm glad to have him here today. Thank you. And then we got Steady Eddie Wilbanks. He is the opposite side of town, Fort Worth. How long does it take you to get here every day, Eddie? <laughs> About an hour and 20. Yeah. It's yeah. just a little, little hike. And Eddie has, uh, we'll talk about this in a minute, but Eddie has done some great things here in Dallas as well as the Fort Worth side of town. And then we have, so one thing real quick, we are, we are big on security here at the agency. And Cameron Rushop is a hired <laughs> security guard for us. He's six foot four and about 230 pounds. So thank you for keeping us You're safe, welcome. Cameron. You're welcome. That's a joke. Cameron is an agent. <laughs> and he's a loved agent. He's great for us. We love uh, everything that he's been doing for the agency here in Dallas. And he was actually one of the first people to uh, join us. So we're very happy with that. And then we've got the rising star. Everybody knows is Chase Duran Duran. <laughs> right? Right. Yeah, happy to have him. Chase is doing great things. He's got a uh, very good business uh, that he runs, and he was actually probably one of the first 10 that came over. Uh, he's got a um, great book of business that he runs every day, and we're always hustling. Everybody's hustling. And I also wanted to introduce one of the best mortgage people in DFW. And Brian and I did a podcast recently, and I loved it. And Brian is a fantastic podcaster outside of the loan officing world. And he is our partner here at the agency Dallas, Brian McCauley with Fairway Mortgage. And I'm going to come back to you, Brian. Cool. But welcome. Appreciate it. Glad to have you. Excited to do it, Thank, Thank you so you. much. Cool. Eddie works, like we just talked about, out in the other side of town. And he is doing a lot of farm and ranch and land uh, pro uh, properties. So what he does out there is acreage and acreage and he also lives on a acreage yourself right you yeah a little bit just not, yeah. i wouldn't call it a ranch but i call it a i've, I've seen the view from your uh, back patio it's pretty impressive it, it's great my wife and i moved down there 18 years ago fell in love with it and so instead of farm and ranch i like to call it recreational real estate is what i do yeah i like fun real estate it's got to be on the water a golf course out in the country, whatever your recreation or lifestyle is, that's what I like to specialize in because that's what happened to us. We found the place, fell in love with it, and now we want to bring other people out to it. So a few years ago, my wife and I bought a ranch out in Decatur, and Decatur is one of those areas that is high acreage. Uh, everything's like on a acreage lot, um, one acre minimum kind of thing. And we bought 66 acres, and we fell in love with it. So this is this is 2000 and what it was uh november of 2020 so 
what you're doing right now, I'm sure you're seeing a huge influx in people looking for land opportunities. Um, it seems like everybody's kind of gotten like the hustle and bustle. The city gets a little tiring and then they want a place to go. That's what we did. Yeah. So when we did it, we wanted to do Well, my wife, first of all, wanted a pony farm uh, when we first got together. So the pony farm is one of those things where you have to have some land to do it. Right. And then she also wanted to grow her own uh, crops you know, and like sustainable living, you know, yeah. of course, COVID put some thoughts in a lot of people's minds <laughs> Sure. and the crops didn't make it. The ponies did. So that's the good news. <laughs> you have a bunker. We do have a bunker actually. Great, great. And, it, and it's, and I think it's like a 10, 10 by 12 or something like that. But the funny thing was, is when we found the bunker, uh, on the property, which is not really shown to us when we looked at it, but the bunker has empty boxes of Tito's down there. Nice. So, <laughs> so it's, at some point, sometimes it was stocked, and I think maybe right before closing, they took all that stuff away from us. Um, but what are you seeing out there for people that are like, uh, obviously, there's not a lot of people that I think, you know, are like, oh, I live in Dallas, but I, you know, I want to go move out to the, the country. I think most of them are like, maybe it's a second home opportunity, right? Sure, yeah. And so there's, there's still a mad rush for land, whether your land is an acre or, you know, 3,000 acres. Everybody's looking for something. I've got a list of people that are always just like, if you find something, call me. You know, a lot of the land stuff is done kind of off market. By the time it hits the market, everybody's been through it. And, you know, so it's it's just a little bit of a different thing. But everybody is looking to either retire out there or have that place to go to get away. And every price point and every goal situation is a little bit different from you can pick up a, an acre of land for 50,000 or you've got people that are looking for you know 3,000 acres at you know 10,000 an acre so it's going to be a what is the um, minimum acreage that you need to have the uh, ag exemption it's going to be it depends on where you are and what your ag exemption is for but for the most part it's going to be 10 acres that's what i thought and yeah. then one acre for the actual homestead right yeah and i think okay. if you do like in south lake i've got a client that has six acres that's exempt for honeybees there you, you know, go. So that's another thing that didn't make it on our ranch, the honeybees. Yeah, there's there's some there's some <laughs> exemptions for it, but for the most part it's that ten acre amount. Yeah. So when you're when you're out there working with people that are looking for land, you're you you said you actually bring your own Polaris sometimes, right? You actually tow it in oh, yeah. and then drive yeah. the drive the land with it's, it. It's part of the I it's love part it. of the show. Yeah, yeah. You gotta you know, you get there and you you get them to help you unload it and everything. How many how many agents do you think in DFW would be towing in their own Polaris to show land. Less than <laughs> less than five percent, you know. And, and, and less than one percent. Yeah. So I was giving them a few there, but yeah. But it's uh, it's part of the fun, you know. I mean, it's just a different thing when you can drive someone. And that all started. I had a small ranch listed out in Somerville County, and the agent couldn't come, and he was he was like, "Can you show my buyers the ranch?" And I was like, "Sure." And I was just thinking to myself, "You're going to put." me a professional question asker yeah with your clients for an hour and a half while you're not there i was like bring them on out yeah. and by the time we were writing the contract by the time they got off the polaris so it was uh it was a lot of fun but that that's where i decided that i had to have one no i think it's great and i think that uh, everything and eddie eddie came over to us from compass right so compass um you were with them for a few years and you were one of the top agents over there in the fort worth office yes sir so when Eddie came over, or when we interviewed Eddie, he had um, one of John's actually really good friends from high school. And um, when we interviewed Eddie, he had his son with him, which is Chase Wilbanks, yeah. and Chase is also a realtor. So they're doing a father-son type setup, which we love. 
I want to do that with my kids. But, yeah. Uh, my sons aren't ex- exactly uh, interested so far in the old uh, real estate world, but <laughs> crossing fingers. Um, so when he came over, um, we were very excited to have somebody that actually does land because there is a big opportunity right now for Dallas and the outskirts of town for land. Um, even past the areas of like Salina and Prosper, all these areas now are mm-hmm. like getting all these builders looking at them. Have you seen anything like an influx? I think you have a 30 acre um, listing right now for land, right? I have a 30 acre that's on the market and then there's quite a few off market. But So you have another off market that you told me about the other day that was like 15 million for undeveloped land, with, but it has a house on it, right? And And the houses basically need to be knocked down, but the view and the and the agriculture and everything is amazing. Yeah, so there's and there's there's quite a few um, off market listings down there that are kind of make a sell type situations. Mm-hmm. And that's what one of the biggest trends we're seeing with the ranches. You've got these families, people are unfortunately passing away. The kids are no longer in the ranching world or ranching business or, or want to have that kind of commitment, but they're able to see that hey, we can really cash out at this point. And so it's a lot of them don't ever hit the market just because it's such a it can be such a crazy price on the market and it scares a lot of people away to even go look at it. Well, you know, market conditions right now is one of the things I didn't want to talk about because if you look back at anything, like you've been doing this a long time, John's been doing this a long time, Cameron's just got his license a month ago. Uh, 2000, <laughs> 2020. <yeah. laughs> Chase is not licensed yet. <laughs> um, but so the funny thing is, is like some of the areas that I work, I, I, I have people call you back right after like five years, right? Four years, whatever, six years, 10 years that happens. And then you look back at those CMAs that you sold the house for. Right. And it's absolutely nuts. What some of the price points have done then versus now and land's no different. Well, yeah, as we have, when we moved down to Rio Vista, it was eight, uh, 18 years ago, and larger parcels of land were somewhere between 2500 and 4500 an acre. You can't touch anything down there for less than 15000 an acre on just an average size piece of property. And that's undeveloped, right? Yeah, that's just untouched. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a lot of them are going, with developers coming in, a lot of them are going you know, in the twenty to 30000 an acre if you're within an hour and a half of Dallas. It's just nuts. And the land market's going to continue to increase, I think, because most people do um, have the, like, I think in their mind, the desire to live on land. Sure. Right? Yeah. But uh, since I've owned it in the last three years, we've learned a lot about how hard it is it's to work, work that land. Yeah. It's not like you just sit back and you're like, oh, I love this land. There's always something to do. Right. And, and, it, and, it's, and it's like one of those things where it's like it's, you, you kind of like get to the point where you're like appreciating right. what you've done to the property, right? Like anything mm-hmm. you do, you're like, I did that. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's one of the things too is like that's why we moved out there. And that's one thing I try to convey to people is get the land now because when you're 65 – you may not want to drive that track. No, anymore. absolutely. You may not want to get up and work the animals. And that's the back and forth, it. right? Yeah. Like people like want the land in their younger days and then their older days, they want to get off all that maintenance yeah. and everything. And you always get back and forth. Like there's several areas in Dallas that, you know, I think the reason that they have crossovers is because there's people that are obviously changing their, their roles in life. You know, young yeah. kids over here, no kids over here, you know, that kind of thing. And it's, it's just the way of real estate. Yeah. And Taylor Sheridan has helped 
the uh, the, the land. The Yellowstone, yeah, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, it's Great just guy. like everybody everybody wants to be Rip or Kevin Costner. Or no, something, exactly. You know, so it's it's funny though that that kind of stuff does carry over yeah. into it. And and in a, in a completely different world, that is John Murray, <laughs> which is which is uptown. State Thomas, where you live, walkability, everything that is completely on the opposite of anything. And there's only a few spots in Dallas that actually has that kind of real estate. You know, like the walkability of where you can go drop off your dry cleaning, go to a go to a wine bar, which I know you love. What? Uh, sit on your porch and wave <laughs> to your clients that you've sold houses to, all those kind of things. What do you think right now, like market-wise for State Thomas, the multifamilies, so, and even, even the one that you have in our contract, you can talk about that one too, but what are you seeing the trending right now? Because I know when you and I met, we, we had a, uh, a deal that was over off of, um, was it Thomas Al- Avenue? Allen Street. Allen Street? Okay, so Allen Street, and you were on the listing side, I was on the buy side, and back then I think the house that we closed was probably 500. Right, five fifty, probably. Yeah. And now it's probably worth what eight hundred. Yeah. So this is, and this is not that long ago. This is like five years ago, six mm-hmm. years ago, something like that. So what are you seeing over there, trending wise, of like desirability and people that actually want that type of lifestyle in Dallas currently? Well, <clears throat> I started out over in Uptown in '96, living there, and then uh, went over to Oak Cliff. Had a couple homes over there. Spent about nineteen years in Oak Cliff. Came back to Uptown just because I absolutely love that lifestyle. Eddie and I are complete opposites when it comes to the best they, buddies, right? We literally the irony is we've known each other literally since our early twenties. He's married to one of my best high school friends and uh, college friends, and um, but and I I do refer my country folk out. To well, Eddie, he gets. And we pass each other on the weekends. He goes to Granbury. <laughs> I go to Granbury. He's coming to the city. So, uh, but uh, no, I referred my uh, my family members, my cousins, to him, and he and, sold them a house in Granbury. Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. sure. <laughs> um, if you know, you know. Yeah. Um, so, but I absolutely love the urban lifestyle. Um, what's trending now? That the biggest difference that I've seen from '96. Obviously, it was um, a much younger. Uh, single type clientele and now there are so many baby strollers in my neighborhood really the weekends the park is filled they've actually put in a children's park over in griggs park um because that that. lifestyle um what was unheard of the high density three-story lifestyle back in mid 90s texans really didn't understand it i was having to meet every appraiser um, when I got started in 99 down there, I was having to meet every appraiser and kind of explain to them the concept of downtown Dallas is literally a stone's throw away. People want to be here where they don't have to spend an hour commuting to work. They can literally walk out the door and be at their desk in 10 to 15 minutes. No problem. Yeah. And so um, as Dallas has grown and we've brought in so many uh, uh buyers from either coast where high density living is a common factor now raising a family in a three-story townhome is perfectly normal business so a lot of my clients um that used to be the running joke i'd never sold a house to anybody with kids because i never (laughs) had to worry about schools or school districts or anything like that now it is a concern well yeah Um, we're also living in an area where like they have options outside of that lifestyle right right? it's not like this isn't new york where you've got everything's a multifamily and everything's like a, you know, three story staircase 
we have houses literally walking distance from where you live and work right now where people have those opportunities, especially in the price range right now. So there's still a, a desire there. And I think you living there, you see a lot of it both ways. Sure. Um, I'm <clears throat> So State Thomas is a historic district. Um, I'm actually in a 1912 property, uh, either house on either side of me, 1912, which I currently have listed um, and under contract is uh zoned also commercial as well uh, so upstairs are two different apartments downstairs is a fantastic commercial space um, facing right on whole foods that's another concept that really brought urban living um, to the forefront was we do have shopping grocery shopping it's all walkable um, when they first developed state thomas we didn't have that concept and so you were actually having to get in your car go find a grocery store and everything now it's all walking distance and you know, you mentioned, I sit on my front porch. I've got a great front porch swing. There's a lot of wine that happens out there <laughs> when the weather permits. And, you know. But that's I, what people love. Absolutely. Right? I mean, they literally have people that you've sold houses to. They're walking past you and saying, hey, John. Absolutely. <laughs> Half the people stop. They'll go grab a bottle of wine at Whole Foods. They yeah. stop back by on the front porch and, you know, we'll sit and visit and enjoy the day. Um, and that's exactly what they're after. Um, then I'll run into them Saturday morning. They're on the way to yoga studio, um, Saturday afternoon, whatever in the evenings I'm walking Griggs park or Katie trail, run into half my clients, uh, there. And I, I love that concept. Anything else you want to add to uptown Dallas? No, I mean, uh, it's fantastic area to live. Uh, the restaurant world is popping down there now. Um, from craft cocktail bars, wine bars. Um, it's just a, it's a really great high energy neighborhood. I absolutely love it. Great. Um, so Chase and Cameron, they are in the Northern part of town. Not as, not as North as you, Eddie, but prosper Frisco Plano, um, do a lot of business, live out there. Um, Chase, I think, is trying to uh, take Cameron away from me as my best friend, <laughs> which, which I'm not going to allow it, Cameron. When you're not doing security for me, we're hanging out. Y'all do, lot, y'all do play a lot of golf together, which we I'm do. a little jealous about. We do. It's been a lot of hours out there. A lot of golf. Yeah. Outside of Dallas, which the agency in Dallas obviously goes to anywhere that's needed, but for where you guys are, I know that y'all do a lot of business in Prosper. You live in Prosper, Winsong. Yep, Winsong Ranch. Winsong's great. Cameron just sold his house, made a made a mint on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, investing the house in Prosper now. Yeah, and you're investing all your money in Bitcoin. Is that uh, right? I'm not. I'm not one of those millennials. So no, no. You want Bitcoin advice? Don't ask me. Yeah. So um, what are y'all seeing trending wise out there? Because I sold a house to a guy in Winsong uh, two years ago, and 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 one of the reasons that uh, I wanted to bring this up is because he he sent me an email the other day and said that he's now so he's on what is the average lot size out there like 0. 0.2 0. 0.25 i mean something yeah. like that quarter acre 60s okay 76s 40s, 50s, 60s, we got everything 70s. out there so he sent me an email saying that he was interested in going out past salina uh blue ridge i believe yep. is what it's called and looking at land options to build so he's only been in the house for two years i ran comps he's got at least one hundred fifty thousand dollars equity out there already what are y'all seeing out there? Back in 21, kind of when I first started, um, I kind of got thrown into the fire. And I was my other, off, before I came to the agency, I was based out of Frisco. So all of my clientele was primarily Collin County. And every single one of my clients that was coming in from California, New York, would call me and say, 
we want to be in Prosper. And the reason Prosper Frisco, the reason why is because the school districts were so highly rated. And so we, you know, that's kind of when, in, in my opinion, Prosper started really, really taking off. Now it's, it's been hot for some time, but 21 by far, I mean, I was writing offers in 2021, a couple hundred thousand plus above list price on $1.1 million homes. And that's how bad they wanted to be there. Now we're still seeing continual growth. And like you said, they're starting to want to go past Salina now. Absolutely. And they're trying to get ahead of that. I mean, I've I've got clients buying in Sherman right now because they want to get ahead of the head. Brian and I talked about this when we had a podcast. And and, and I think you had talked about a report that said that builders were not building or something along those lines. They weren't, their, their production level is lower than what it has been in years. Mm-hmm. And, I think, and we talked about this, but the reason that I'm seeing, which I'm sure that you're seeing too, is that the builders aren't not building. They're having to buy land further and further out, and that's taking longer and longer to develop. So like when you go to Prosper, for example, it is massively built out now. Like mm-hmm. there's, and when, when, when I was in, uh, just right out of high school, Prosper was all farmland. There was nothing. Frisco was just like that. We used to ride dirt bikes out in Frisco. Yep. So you got this this movement now where everybody's going further and further north, and a lot of these builders think that they can't take a lot of the infill land and lots at a price point that they can build at. Because if you're looking at land values of, let's call it 15,000 an acre, like uh, Eddie was uh, talking about earlier, if you take that number, times it by whatever 100 acres that they need, and then you've got to break it down into doing the streets, the electrical, the plumbing, all the things that are required for the infrastructure to build these houses, you can't make money on those properties unless you're in a luxury price range. Right. Dear Horton is probably one of the only ones in the Metroplex that can still make affordable housing happen. And the only reason they can is because they buy land cash quickly and they are literally one of the only builders out there that gets people coming to them for land. Yeah. Some of the builders do get land opportunities that come on their, on their plate. Dior Horton probably gets 10 to 1. And that's why we're seeing all majority of every master plan community in Salina Prosper, besides Winsong, you know, is a mud or a pit. Exactly. The infrastructure that they've got to build out and back tax. And so, well, the, the cities can't afford it. Exactly. The cities can't afford to put the infrastructure in there and then let well, the builders take the lots down. Some will debate that all day long, the cities can afford it or not. And it depends it, on the city. It depends on the city. Um, if it was, if it was, if it was Frisco, they could afford it. Yeah. Prosper could afford it. Yeah. Some of the little outskirts of town can't afford. It. I know Salina couldn't do it when they did that. Uh, what was it? Light Farms out there. Yep. <laughs> Light Farms couldn't afford it, so they 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 have a, a very large pit out there that's uh, yeah. an additional like point four percent of a property tax level that puts yeah. it there almost three percent. You're sitting at like a two point two nine, and then it's like plus a three thousand dollar, so it comes out to what you said like that 2.6 to whatever range depending on the home but yeah it's since you bought your house what do you think it's worth today versus what you paid for it well i'm in a little different situation <laughs> you bought it off I don't, market i don't know if I, I don't know if i want to speak about that on camera but <laughs> the property tax man's looking no um <laughs> watching out there i was very fortunate and got a negotiated a very good deal on my home. Uh, um, he's that, so good at negotiation, everyone. That uh, yes, that's why it pays to have good <laughs> Absol- relationships. Absolutely, with the sales reps. yeah, so. yeah. So I had a very good relationship with the sales rep, and it was December thirtieth of last oh, year. End of the year. End of the year. Just like a sales, they, a, they, a car sale. A quarter quarter four. We, we weren't seeing much 
going on um, right after Christmas. Nobody was really buying much. And my wife and I, we, uh, I got a call from the builder saying, hey, I got this spec home. It's beautiful. It's on a 76-foot lot, single story. I was like, ah, whatever. Send me some pictures. And I, he sent me some pictures. We're under contract like a day later because um, we, we fell in love with it and was able to negotiate a, a good deal. And we closed in like February. And I did just run some comps on it the other day. Yeah. And I'm very happy. Yeah. I, but I'm, I'm not moving because... Well, Cameron may have a buyer for you. Hey, <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But, I've, no. I told him my number. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He already knows. Right. Yeah. No, I don't know if we're getting there, but uh. Cameron, you do a lot on social media for videos. You've, mm-hmm. you've, you have done. One of the reasons that we were uh, like when we first interviewed you, my wife was like, Cameron is amazing on camera talking about real estate related topics. And I was, I, I was like, he can't be that good. Right. <laughs> I looked at it. He's pretty damn good. Yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And I, it's, it's hard to do it. Brian does it a lot. Brian, Brian's amazing. Brian, Brian and you have a very similar kind of style as far as just doing online presence. And it's very important in the social media world. I think a lot of people want to see video that is not selling somebody, sure. right? They want to see content that is, more about educating and that's right. a lot what you do what got you into wanting to go that route and actually do that kind of in the in front of the camera sure. um well uncomfortable so- video in front of the camera is probably how i'd describe it right um i think it was one of those things that i kind of saw a hole in my marketing platform yeah um and i was actually listening to a, a youtube video with tom ferry and some of his guys and he was he had a guy on there that um did one of his video, I don't know, courses, challenges where he was supposed to do 30 days of video uh, for a month and kind of see what came out of it. And he ended up interviewing the guy like 200 days later, wanted to see kind of what came out of it. And sure enough, he said that he liked it so much, he continued continued it and he was still on day like 210 or something like that. Yeah. His business like 5X from it. So it was one of those things I was like, you know what, I feel like that's a hold. That's something that I can do to help create uh, a sense of um, that I know what I'm talking about, um, that people can get to know me a little better, my voice. And um, it's been great. Um, and you come from a personal training background, right? I do. Yeah. yeah. Personal training and home personal training. So you've done a lot with just rapport with people. Sure. You know? Yeah. That's, that's, that's the whole thing, right? Um, whenever I moved here in 2013, I got into in-home personal training, 2014 or 15, started my own business. Um, COVID happened in 2020. No one wanted you in their home anymore. Yeah. So something needed to change for me. And me and my wife, me and my wife were already uh, flipping houses. We started flipping houses like 2018. So nice. I kind of had an idea that real estate was. I'm learning something about you today, Cam. Right. Yeah. That real estate was the way that we <laughs> like wanted best to friends. I thought we you were didn't too. Know that. Man. Golly. <laughs> See, that's why uh, he hangs out with me. Oh, okay? man. You knew that, didn't you? you I knew that. that. Yeah. Absolutely. Golly. I, I, actually I always even, just talk about myself. Cam, I even that's know, the problem. I even know his subcontractors. <laughs> Beautiful. That's how, that's how close we are. And Cameron, you have a young little daughter. A three, yep, yeah, three year old. So yeah, it was 2020. COVID happened. Uh, we had my daughter in January that year. Um, thankfully, you know, we had enough in savings that we were able to survive for a little bit. Got my license in 2020 and kind of hit the ground running. But it was it was strange to come into this business during that time. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, no one had an an office atmosphere at all. You know, uh, that was something definitely missing. But, 
you know, real estate's kind of where I wanted to take my life. Um, and just kind of saw an opportunity there. Yeah, we but, love it, man. You're you're doing great. Your volume is picked up quite a bit and I appreciate it. thankful yeah. for you cam thankful for me um i'm going to now switch over to the man the myth the legend brian mccauley What's brian everybody wants to talk about those rates man okay which one talk about it's like the bi- biggest question i get asked every day what's the rate at where are we at what's happening with the rates uh, mortgage rates are a little confused, a little moody. They're yeah. up and down. They can't find their footing. I think everybody's angry about it, Brian. Is uh, it your fault? Well, they, sh- they shouldn't be. I mean, you know, sometimes a little higher rates give buyers a benefit and a chance and an edge to get a house where they couldn't during the COVID boom and things were three nine nine. So I think it's how they look at them. One, um, you know, two. I think people have to understand that your rates follow inflation. As inflation comes down, rates will come down with it. It's taken a little bit longer this year with consumer spending and stuff to get it down, but they're trending down. This is a good week for them. They're high sixes. Uh, I think the real permanent trend down will probably be middle or early of Q1 of next year. We hope. Um, I, th- I think it will. Yeah. Um, there was a really good da- data point today about inflation, about one of these industries co- cooling off, and this is why you have seen rates drop about uh, three-eighths in the last three or four days. Um, but so we'll they've be- actually gone down mm-hmm. in the last few days by three-eighths of a point. Yep. Great. Sub-seven, and we see a lot of action. Uh, and I just know that that's the case. People are waiting for rates to drop because they care about the rates and the payment. The downside to that is so is everybody else. Yeah. So as rates continue to come down, it makes everybody excited for cheaper payments. It pushes demand up, and then you run into, okay, well, now the house prices are going up. So everybody in this room can attest to this situation. Okay, so 2020, 2020 2021, part of 2022 – not 2023, the trend was pay absorbent amounts over list price to try to get a house. Mm-hmm. The interest rates were two and a half, three percent. Right. So you and I were talking about this last time doing the math. If somebody paid, let's call it a million dollar price tag, and the house is listed for a million, and somebody paid 150000 over list mm-hmm. at two and a half percent. Mm-hmm versus paying the million dollars in today's market at 6.5%, mm-hmm. four percentage points difference, mm-hmm. the numbers are almost identical of what the payment is, Correct. right? Somewhere Correct. somewhere in the range of what's close enough to say, like within $100 it's of what it would a- be. 80%. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they would be liquid. And they exactly, the, 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 point, of, the point of that is when you're, when you're paying too high on the price, that money is not just money. Right. It is now debt. Correct. Your, your, your situation is completely different when it's an interest rate. Right. Interest rates are going to go up and down, and they have since we've all been alive. And we just have experienced some of the lowest rates in history mm-hmm. that we probably ever will see. Like, I don't even know if we'd ever get below 2.5% unless there's a nuclear bomb behind us. Um, but when, that, when, when you look at that kind of situation, you can make an easy argument saying that now is a better time to buy as long as you understand it's a short-term situation. Sure. Right? So you and I yesterday were talking about a three two one buy down. Mm-hmm. Okay, so three two one buy down. I'm going to let you explain it. Yeah. But you're buying the rate down for three years. So let's say what you were just talking about with it being, you think first quarter of next year is going to start the trend to tick down. So let's say what happens in three years. What do you predict in 24 months? So I think the hardest part about that is getting past the election. At the end of 24, depending upon who holds power, that'll be a big direction. Um, but for people that are looking right now and between now and then of opportunity, the buy-down you're referring to is, you know, for the listeners out there, you can always get an interest rate lower than what the For the, the mar- tens and tens of listeners that will be here yeah. in this for, podcast. For the 20s yes. and 30s, <laughs> pay attention. 
You can always get an interest rate lower than what the market has. It's just that you have to pay for it. A lot of times it's not smart to pay to get a lower rate because obviously it costs you a lot up front and doesn't save you a lot in the payment. But in this market that is correct and a given opportunity for a buyer, you can get the rate a percent lower, 2% lower, or 3% lower. There are some options right now that people are entertaining they never heard of before because it hasn't been popular for the past five or six years because rates have been so low, which is you can get an interest rate that's 1% lower for year one, 2% lower or 3% lower for a three-year stretch. And so what happens is, let's say for hypothetical example, your rate's 7%. If you do a 3-2-1 buy-down, what that means is for three years, your interest rate is temporarily lower than the 7%. So year one, it would be 4%. Year two would be 5%. Year three would be 6%. And then would convert to 7% fully if you didn't do anything with the mortgage. And that is that is fixed after that. Correct. Right? goes back Correct. to 7% it. and it's fixed at that point. Yep. And also, for the buy-down purposes, it costs money to do it. Correct. But what we were talking about with the market being more volatile than what it, it has been, most sellers are negotiating. Correct. Right? So right. let's call it being back to the million-dollar range. Mm-hmm. So three points is about what this costs, this buy-down? Yeah. So it's a sliding scale. So, I mean, the way people can do the math on the loan amount is if you want to get the interest rate 1% lower than the average rate, then it would be 1% of the loan amount. So if you got a $500,000 loan and you want to get the rate from seven to six, it costs you five grand. If you want to get it from seven to five, it costs you 10 grand. If you want to get it from seven to four, it costs you 15 grand. Where people have to be educated and see the opportunity is most people want to ask for that 15 grand off the price of the house. Right. But they're still going to have the 7% rate. So when you take that 15000 over the life of the loan, it doesn't do anything for the client. So the logic would be if the, if the seller is willing to negotiate, and let's say you get twenty grand out of them. Right. And that is a very realistic situation in this market totally. right now. Um, I had somebody offer 100000 under list price on one of my listings. $1.2 million offered us $1.1. We're, we're going to negotiate it. We're not going to be like, oh, my God, what are they doing? Like, mm-hmm. The market's different. But the issue I think that some people think about is like if you're taking 15000 off the price – What's the monthly on that? Uh, Ten thousand fifty bucks, so probably seventy five dollars. Okay, so seventy five dollars a month versus buying it down two or three percentage points for the first twelve months. Now we're talking about hundreds of dollars. Oh, your your first month is six hundred. I mean, your first year is six hundred twenty something dollars. Your second year is four and change. The third year is, I think, two and change. So I mean, we're talking about savings on average in that situation, $1,500 a month averaged out over three years. That's a lot of money. But there's a big bonus on that too. So where people look at the entire packages, one, you have two type of interest rate buy downs and I won't get nerdy on it, but the ones you and I are talking about are temporary. They're only lower for a short period of time. A permanent is it's lower for the life of the loan. The permanent is fixed. It's a lot more money. The temporary is short term and it's about half the cost. So if it costs thirty thousand dollars to buy it down to four percent forever, it costs fifteen thousand dollars to buy it for four percent for a certain amount of time. So it costs half as much money. But also the cool thing about a temporary is let's say you've got a three year deal and you end up refinancing in sixteen months because rates drop back down, everything is good. All that money that you spent for the temporary buy down is not in vain. Whatever the leftover portion is, you get it refunded back to you. So if it costs you fifteen grand, you use eight grand of it. And you refinance because the market drops back down in a year and th- things are great. That 7000 bucks is not in vain. You literally get it back as a refund. You can take it and pay that, for the that's refinance. That's the part I love about Pay it. off credit card yeah. debt. Like, it's, it's such a smart strategy. I just don't think people are aware of it because it hasn't been very popular because rates have been so low for seven or eight years. And again, you're going back to when I first got into real estate. Uh, early 2000s, I was working for a builder at the time. Mm-hmm. And they were giving us rate sheets. And they'd have the 2-1 buy-downs on there. Totally. Because, you know, back then the rates were... Nine percent. I think mm-hmm. it was nine percent when I started. Eight point seven five was like the good rate that our lender could 
give us because it was a builder preferred lender. And I remember thinking, I didn't know any better at yeah. the time, but I'm thinking, cool, eight point seven five. That's what that's what I'm that's what I'm quoting to people. No, no idea if that was good or bad. Right. Just like that's what it is, right? And people were pretty happy about it. The first house that my wife and I bought was six point seven eight percent, six point seven like six and seven eighths. It's a good rate. It was a good rate, and I was thrilled about it because everybody told me that's a good rate, man. Good job. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, twenty two years old. The house was one hundred sixty eight thousand dollars. New it. construction, Syntex Homes. Gosh, that is Syntex. The good old days. Yeah. We actually just sold it two years ago. <laughs> we had it this wow. whole time as a rental. Wow. Um, but the rate situation to me is like a is is a topic that is not gonna end until we see some kind of light at the end of the tunnel. And the way that I'm seeing everybody look at it right now is like you 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 have buyers and sellers for that matter that are they will sell if they have the right price or the right timing of what they're going to do school is about to start again so a lot of these markets right now are very heavy on the Mm -hmm. the turn with the with the school starting again so we got till mid-august call it mid-august until everybody's kind of like going to be like okay well i've got my kids register where they're going to go the non-markets where john lives where their kids is not that heavy but you have you have kids that are out there uh those markets are going to kind of just trickle in and do the normal thing that they're going to do but a lot of the markets like park cities Preston Hollow, um, M Streets, Lakewood, you know, the, the stuff here on the, in this side of town, those are heavily dependent on the market with where schools start and schools end. So what we normally see in the market condition is August slows down some after the school starts. Mm-hmm. People are kind of hunkered down. Some people are going to rent. Some people aren't going to be able to find anything. They, they have to do rent. They have to short-term rent. Then you're going to have people that are going to pick it up back again in December. December is the mid time of the year where you start seeing a little bit of an uptick and January's market starts to begin. Then we have the strong six, seven, eight months of whatever it's going to be. So what do you see this time next year? You said the first quarter you're expecting the rates to drop down. What do you see this time next year for rates? If we're at call it 7% now, what's your prediction? Because I'm going to come back to this episode and say, Brian, you were either right or wrong. So I will, say, I will say when it starts to turn, um, mortgage-backed securities and capital markets have said by, let's call it Q1, beginning of Q2 of ne- next year, 0.75% better for sure. All the way up to the election could be one and a half. It's a sliding scale. So, so anywhere six, in between six and a half percent today, you're saying it would be five seven five this time it. next year. Okay. The like prediction it. is that'd be good. Though. Election or maybe a little bit after could touch four nine nine. Yeah, I would take that in a heartbeat. Right, but yeah. people have but to understand a, that that you know it's a double edged sword. Right, we're going to have the exact same issue. You're right. We were same. Just right. coming out of where there's a pent up uh, demand. Uh, yeah, everybody's feeding frenzy low. for houses. Yeah. Back to overpaying. Right. Um, you know, multiple offer scenario. The prediction for Dallas population I saw this week came out uh, for 2028 is is astronomical. Yep. Nobody's leaving Dallas. Everyone is coming to Dallas. That's we have right. an incredible you know job base here, and well, economy's um, strong, right? And so you know something's going to have to shake out here soon. Uh, for urban living, it's nothing but apartments going up. There's very little uh, residential for sale. Uh, being built. Now there are hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands and thousands of doors going up. They're all rental communities. Absolutely. And, and you know, it's all going to play a, yeah. And it's all going to play a big factor in, in uh, our housing market and, you know, okay, great. Interest rates are coming down. There's that feeding frenzy again. 
and you're back to paying 100, 150,000 above list price right. just to get the house and beat out the 10 other offers that are in on it. Dallas inventory is probably the number one problem outside 100 like anything else like the the relocation for me this year has been extreme i've had a lot of people coming from all over the place it's not just the new yorks and the californias of the world i've had people come from kentucky i've had people come from louisiana i've had people come from oklahoma all the areas that you would just expect are like okay well those are pretty normalized markets but dallas and even when we launched the agency dallas is like the hub that people really look at in a very positive all things, all boxes checked. Right. The economy's strong. The housing is affordable. <laughs> right. It's getting less and less affordable every day. But the, the, the housing is affordable. The economy's good. Then you have, like, what massive amount of land piece Dallas Fort Worth is. Like, Dallas is huge, right? So there's plenty of opportunity. Everywhere you go, there's more land to build on. They're even somehow finding areas in downtown Dallas to still build high-rises. Sure. I mean, it's crazy to me. But... The, the market conditions, I think, for what we're looking at right now, rates, if they normalize around 5%, and, and they stay around 5%, I think that's going to address that issue, and that won't be an issue anymore. Because no, everybody knows that a 2.5% to 3% interest rate is not a sustainable situation. So what a sustainable situation is somewhere in between where we are now and where we were. And I think that's when the market's going to normalize, and we won't have this feeding frenzy. If that happens... I think everything kind of dots all the all the I's and crosses the T's for us. Um, one other thing I was going to say to you about the buy down situation: uh, when somebody uses that money towards buy down, is that a tax write off? No. Can they? Okay, because the seller is paying it in this situation. Correct. Like the three two one you said has to be paid for. Seller, by seller. has to be paid. That's the two one, which is a two year, the one zero, which is a one year, can be paid all by the buyer, all by the seller, or split in the middle, which is fine. I think you hit it really the nail on the head. The issue with you know Texas, obviously, why it's so popular, even if rates settle back down and it corrects itself, is the growth, the population. There's just more people than homes, and so that's going to continue to push demand up. The rate piece, it's, you know, everybody has to understand they can refinance the rate later if they don't like it now. But that five hundred thousand dollar house when rates are six nine nine a year from now when they're five and a half that 500 is going to be 550 you're better off actually buying now doing a buy down or taking the rate refinancing in a year that house is going to make you 10 percent. i had people in covid that put five percent down they got a 299 rate but they're actually upside down in their house uh, right now i've seen it twice they can't, now, like you can't the last, redo the, the house months. you can redo the rate so i also think it's specific to this market and this industry with the population growth and also what dallas has on the other cities that it doesn't it's got land from here to oklahoma where, you know, Houston's landlocked, Austin's landlocked, San Antonio has issues. And so they're going to continue to build up north forever because one thing that COVID showed us is that we can work remote or hybrid. So if people, don't have, if people don't have to lug to work every day, all day for five days, they don't mind living 30 or 40 minutes outside the city and doing it two or three days a week. And Dallas has that land stretch where they're going to keep going north and north and north all the time. Sherman. Right. Sherman's a huge. And I, the funny thing about Sherman is. Like they're they're literally what are the, what's going out there? What's that big uh, Bel Air Village? Oh, Ti uh, Ti Ti's having a uh, uh, cat is out there. They're um, having some big, you know, uh, relocation for Ti yep. out there, and I know that that was a big push for that area out there for the builders. But you know, Sherman's an hour right. and fifteen outside hour. of Dallas, right? Yeah, hour fifteen. Um, and the funny thing was about Sherman is I had a buddy in high school that his dad lived out there. Mm -hmm. And when his dad lived out there on the weekends, we'd drive out there and his dad would be like, yeah, y'all come out and, you know, hang out by the, um, you know, the lake or whatever. Texoma. Texoma or whatever. And we were like, God, this is far. 
so yeah. far. Do we want to really want to go out there? Now, like an hour outside of Dallas is no big deal. Nothing at all. <laughs> now, they're, now they're building up Texoma so that Sherman's like close enough to Texoma where you just go to the lake in summer right. and summer stuff at Pottsboro. And, and I will tell you that one of my friends, one of my best friends, works for a big gas co- company in town. Um, and him and I talk all the time. And he's in charge of selling the gas rights to all the builders and everything up north. And he tells me, dude, they're not stopping. No. They're pulling permits and they're no. selling gas rights to Those people in our north because they know what we know, which is the population income is not going to stop. So when he tells me that, he knows before anybody else does. So when he's selling gas rights and somebody's going to be doing a development in 18 months, he's like, dude, I'm 100% full. Absolutely. They slowed down a right. click, but it's because they know the incoming is not going to stop. And to make it even more competitive and better for Texas with no state income tax, you guys know that Abbott just is fixing to sign a bill that's going to reduce property taxes in Texas, the highest all time. So now the property taxes come down even more, which means we the cost of even better. Right, <laughs> right. So there, I mean, there's a lot of things coming together over the next 24 to 36 months with growth, with land, with interest rates going kind to of drop. It's just going to make it uh, a feeding frenzy. And so the recommendation is, you know, unless you've got money to blow, um, buying or considering buying now is better because people really just care about their payment. They don't care about the rates. They only say they want a good rate because they want a cheap payment. And they're also, they're also conditioned for that. Right. The but they also don't look at the back the side of the coin, which is would you rather take the rate now at 500000 and make 12 payments and then it go up 10% in a year and then you refinance that 699 back down to a five and you're sitting good? Or you want the other side, which is you've got a super low rate but a high price and then a year from now, it's, you know, you're, you're yeah. lopsided. You yeah. lost all your equity. Yeah. You had a thought, Eddie. I saw it. I saw it in your brain. Yes, we uh, we moved to Plano from Dallas in 1978 because of that TI. The year I was born in Sherman. So, yeah, that was it was already going back then, but that's why we moved to Plano. And to go from Plano to Richardson back then was a day trip. I mean, it was like we were going out of town if we were going from Plano to Richardson. Wow. And uh, my stepdad very easy to get to. Yeah, he was working (laughs) at that TI up in Sherman. So. Well, you think about. So Dallas, Dallas, not Dallas-Fort Worth, but you think about Dallas and some of the outskirts of Dallas that are drivable like we're talking about, maybe within an hour. Where in the country is there better opportunities for developers and builders to build that is actually able to sustain a price point that's affordable and also make money? That's a full economic city that's actually growing. That's not super rural. There's not. And that's one of the things I think people are, you know, COVID put Texas on the map. I saw it starting to turn the corner in 19, small reloads, things here and there. But when COVID happened and everything shut down and people were forced to do stuff and migrated and moved for this reason or that reason, I mean, people popped up and said, wow, Texas and Dallas are here because of cost of living, quality of life, whatever it is. And then once it put the spotlight on us, it's never going to go away. To, to your point, now people are aware of that. It's just a matter of how many people are coming in here at a certain amount of time and what's going to be here for them. And that's why I think if you're local and you're considering it and you're not a reload, like the time to consider it is now um, because you can get concessions you can buy down the rate you can have a super duper cheap payment for 12 to 24 months and just sit back and wait for the I mean, rates makes, to drop makes all the sense especially the- then you're making money on the appreciation then when rates sure. drop you're refinancing from your couch versus stuck out in the street every day doing multiple offers all day every day which is a terrible way to try to buy a house so right. i think people need to understand that perspective short term and long term that'll help them with their decision especially for the first time home buyers right now now is the time to capitalize i can't well, first time home buyers are probably the ones that have the the most <laughs> sensitive payment issues right and the buy downs are probably the most effective thing that they could do because if you take let's again go back to one point and yeah. call it a six hundred thousand um, dollar house that's six thousand dollars what does one point do the rate right now without a buy down just buying down the rate itself yeah, I mean, well, quarter of a percent. Yeah, probably a quarter to a half. Yeah, and that's like what thirty bucks a month. 
50, 60 bucks. Yeah. yeah. But to, to his point, the other thing about first time home buyers is not just the rate and the payment, it's the closing cost piece. Absolutely. So you can get seller to pay costs. So what happens is even if you get a 499 rate in a year, that seller's not going to give you any money for the closing costs, which means you're going to be responsible for that liquid piece on your own. So right now you can get not only help with buying down the rate, but if you've got $10,000 in closing costs, you get the seller to pay for that. You get it all wrapped up in a package because the opportunity is there. When you've got first-time homebuyers that don't have a lot of money or they're trying to keep it tight, the last thing they want to do is overbid for a house or come out of pocket on money. So you package it up and put it together now while the opportunity is there versus a year from now. Yes, the rate and the payment might be better, but you're going to pay 10% more for the house. You're going to have to pay for your own closing costs, which could be 10, 15 grand. It's actually a worse financial situation and scenario for them, especially for the first-time homebuyers. Because once yeah. they once it gets to that spot, it's not dying for a year or two, and then you're like, I could have got a house in 23. Now I'm buying at 25 or 26. The, the the appreciation that you lose on the house, the quality of the house, the pay down on the mortgage, all that stuff matters. And this is why you have to show people like the big picture, not just the rated payment so they understand and start getting into buying now. Well, you can imagine the uh, market, what a disaster it was for some homebuyers. You know, like anybody that you guys were working with and you're trying to go out there and make uh, offers on houses that are six or 700,000 and there's like 30 other people trying to do the same sure. thing in these good areas. I mean, the, the stress, uh, the spinning of the wheels as an the agent, the heartbreak. Yeah. Uh, the, I've seen people cry when they didn't get offers accepted, put yeah. these beautiful offers together, well over list price, a letter to the seller telling them how much they love the house and they want to raise their kids there. And it's all financial, uh, right? I, I like to set that expectation before. Before we even start looking at homes, I don't like, even. You're gonna cry. You, no, 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 no. <laughs> I, mean, I don't. Basically, have it go into it like that. Yes, um, but I don't even want to get to that point, right? Because if you set that expectation in the office before you get pre-approved and you know start looking at homes, they don't get that opportunity to cry because they understood the expectation in the realistic market, and so they were actually like, "All right, let's do this," and so they were well prepared when we yeah. go out there and there's 30 offers like all right on to the next one or right. i have to go find him a lease I, yeah i mean going into it you almost have to tell them look we're probably going to miss out on the first three to four offers we make oh i think right? what, what was the what was the record in this room who's i think i had um, i had 10 10 plus offers with one client before they finally got i one. did too yeah yeah eddie what was yours i was the other end of the spectrum i had I actually had a marketing piece that said over the last 12 months, we've won over 94% of our multiple offer situations on oh. the first swing. So steady Eddie. We're just steady Eddie. It's all cash buyers. You know, it was just yeah. <laughs> Something else for buy. Hey, it, it's true though. I really, we were really positioned to go in and just, you know, punish the situations. But if you weren't all cash, you no, know, you weren't going to have a chance. If right? you were FHA, no chance. Sure. If you were V8, no chance. Oh, no, that was the it top shrunk part, down man. the pool of people that was basically conventional and jumbo with 10 or 20% down to extra cash and that was it. That was it. And that's not well, majority of first-time buyers. The right. poor veterans. I mean, the uh, VA uh, loans, uh, man, those were those were uh, tough to get approved. Right. True story, we had one in Granbury and it was, they were under contract on, they were in the option period on a VA and the VA was going to have them do some repairs because the boat dock on the water needed repair and they were above list price and we went and looked at it and she said we just accepted the offer i'm about to change it to active option and i said okay we we got all cash and we actually got the in the middle of 2021 we got it 10 percent below list and kicked them out because we were all cash that was the power of being able to say right. you're not going to have to fix anything we're going to close next week and we're just going to hand you a check Right. 
Bingo. Sure. And right now, buyers have a little bit of the leverage, and that's what people need to understand at, that you know now is the time to consider it and make it happen. The other thing buyers need to know is if they can't get the seller to pay for any closing costs for the rate buy down or the closing costs as well, right now the market is still soft enough that they have to understand that you know if the appraisal comes back in higher than the purchase price, you can amend the contract up and use that extra equity right then and there to buy the rates down or to get the closing costs paid. This has happened twice for me. Yeah. Right. I had a yeah. guy, I have a buyer right now that 880, no concession. Our appraisal ju ju just came back at 900. So instead of saying, oh man, I feel great about having 20K in the equity in, in the property, it doesn't do anything for them financially. Right. So if they still can't get a, a concession, if the appraisal comes in high, they can amend up 5, 10, 15 grand and buy the rate down off of that. When the market gets to the seller's market, you're not going to have any appraisals coming in high. No. If anything, they'll be low. And they'll so be low every it time. flips completely yeah. on. So people have to think about that too, that I'm still getting appraisals above list instead of just having ghost equity and feeling good about it. Tap into it, maximize it now, and put yourself in a better financial position where a year from that's now it's not going to be the case great idea that's good um final thoughts does anybody have final thoughts um i think one thing that wasn't touched on is kind of the new construction right now because mm -hmm. you know going through in 21 22 is really 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 hard to get a new construction property it was you know um and it kind of goes hand in hand with where we're at right now it's actually very easy to get under contract with a new construction property and they love realtors they love yeah, <laughs> Again. yeah. they do now right exactly. right they do now right um, but I think it's a great option for a lot of people out there first-time home buyers too if you're worried about the rates maybe you get under contract on a new construction home yep. you tap into that uh, to, you, you contract at the price point that they're at right now and then you're kind of sitting around for six seven eight months or whatever while your home's being built um, I think we all kind of think interest rates will be kind of teetering down sure. uh, getting close to it um, but you know while you're sitting there waiting for your home to be built you're just accumulating appreciation with 100 percent. so i think it's a good that's idea. literally right. that's literally what happened when we were in uh, new york and uh we were heading downtown for that party and i got that phone call they had gone and toured a new construction uh, uh site and the builder had a special going on that week and that week only and uh they're like buying their now, John, buying their points York, down, and so working. I spent an hour and a half in the car on <laughs> yep. putting that deal together, and uh, we did. It's we closed when we got life. back. I contracted last week, and we were able to get my clients thirty-two thousand dollars mm -hmm. from builder incentives towards closing costs, whatever. Right. And that eight. may not be the case here in the next seven, eight months. Right. And right. that build time is eight to nine months, which is going to set us up quarter one of next year. Well, you don't rate lock sixty days out. Correct. The rates are going to be hopefully way better. Yeah. So not only are you contracted, you won't lose that home, um, and you just get to wait till the rates are lower. And you just got thirty-two grand to play with. So when the rates are lower, hopefully in quarter one, you're able to capitalize the thirty-two on top of that lower rate that we are hopefully going to have. And I think, I on think, top of the fact that that house is not going to be the same value exactly. when you lock in sure. now nine months from now, it's probably going to be worth 10% more, especially right. if rates exactly. drop because it pushes demand up, which right. pushes prices up, and now that's the new comps. So they're making money on their deal before they even get started. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is like uh, builders don't, they won't do any kind of escalation clauses or anything like that. I've actually right. seen a builder try to pull that on a client that was a private builder. Uh, a couple of years ago, then when all that stuff was going on, and he, he tried to get one hundred and fifty thousand dollars more out of the out of the buyer, and this is just because he felt the market was better. It wasn't mm -hmm. because his costs were more or anything like that. He was just like, "No, I think I'm going to ask you for a little bit more money," and we were mm -hmm. like, 
Would you like for us to engage the attorney now or later? Right. <laughs> it's just kind of ridiculous. But that was the market we were in. People were just doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, I think that's a wrap for us. The agency's first episode is one for the books. Thank you, everybody, for attending. And we will see you on the next one.